Um, I had a Silence and Solitude retreat the other week, and uh, in it, um, I was, I, I just, were you reading John Mark Comer's book, Dave? Okay, There's, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, and Dallas Willard said that word. I now think I understand a bit better why Dallas Willard said ruthless, ruthlessly eliminate hurry, because it keeps coming for you, and there's a ruthless posture to it. It doesn't just accidentally get rid of. Uh, and God actually said a couple of things to me in that space around pace and speed and and consumerism. But before I go to that, I'll, um, uh, the, the, Dave sort of said, can you share a bit about grace um, or the heaven-sent gift of grace? That's what we're doing this morning. And I thought it was interesting how, I don't know about you, but I went back to the song Amazing Grace and just that idea, that line, how precious did that grace appear the hour, the hour I first believed. Um, I was taken back to those young places in my heart that are filled with the love of God. You know those, you, do, do you remember that? That time when you first encountered the reality of grace. Um, that is such a beautiful, such a beautiful place. Um, and, and I pray that, you know, you can spend time there um, over, uh, because I find that um, that place gets robbed fairly regularly. Um, but it's deeply intimate. And Jesus actually says it to the church in Revelation, the thing that he has against the first one, the Ephesian church, is that they've lost their first love. <laughs> this, young, this young love, this young place, and I think that's our quest. And I, I oh, Lord, why? Why do I lose that? And why do I keep going on? Why, why am I not experiencing, and the word, I, I, I don't even know where it came from, but dispensing grace? Why, why am I not always a grace dispenser? Why am I so judgmental? Why am I so, why is there law operating at work? And I think this is sort of what John tries to pick up if we read that scripture. Um, by the way, just want to say, if you do want to have a nap, feel free. Um, I was thinking, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, have you ever seen a child falling asleep in father's arms? There's nothing more beautiful. So, you're in the father's arms, so have a nap. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, there'd be absolutely zero judgment from me. Um, um, so uh, uh, this phenomenal picture of Jesus, the Word, the Word becoming flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, as Dave reminded us this morning, and we have seen, we, we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, that is of Jesus, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Um, I can't help but think a couple of things. Uh, around grace before I share a bit of a model. One of the things is uh, God has always been gracious. And if you think of the first, almost imagine you're opening your blinds in the morning and this first ray of light is shining through. And that's Exodus 33 and 34, where God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding, abounding in steadfast love. So it's not new for God to be revealed as gracious. But I think what John's trying to say is, with the light picture as well, by the time you get to Jesus, the blinds are fully open, the light is clear, here is grace and truth, and it's glorious. 
That's what John's trying to say. The glory of God is revealed in the grace and truth of Jesus. And so you, you know well the experience of grace encountering Jesus, but uh, a book I've been reading lately, uh, the guy kind of said, look, the problem we've got in the church is that we focused so much on truth lately, we've lost grace. And he actually calls it vanishing grace. We've nearly all but lost grace. It's, it's a hard word, but perhaps a helpful word, because grace and truth do go together. And I know Abs is speaking on truth next week, but I do want to say they do go together. Grace and truth are best held together. Um, to John will pick up the same kind of combo with some other words, uh, and Paul picks it up as well in one of his letters, that they would have received the grace of God in truth. So grace and truth, it's helpful to hold together. I don't know about you, but, and I think this is true of humanity since the fall, ever since we ate from the fruit, our tendencies to think in binary, either this or that. That's actually literally what happens, good or evil. We start doing classifications. But obviously the, the mind that Jesus comes and redeems, so grace for me is kind of like this redemptive framework and relational framework because he now... In, the, in Jesus coming says, I want to return you to a relational way of being, not a law way of being, because good and evil is a law way of being, right? That's actually literally what happens in history. We have the law, but grace is this relational dynamic. It's restoration to that. Like now you can make decisions based on relationship. So this morning by law, I could have returned my coffee. It was awful, right? But grace says, they're really busy. They're doing their best. I'll just suck up the bad coffee, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's a million ways that grace and law work itself out in, in, in our day-to-day. Um, but I was thinking it's important as we think about grace that we hold truth with it. And I find this in my heart, whenever you're caring for someone, I know you would do this too, I've been bludgeoned with truth, and I'm sure you have as well, that was graceless, but then there's also moments in my life where I kind of need a little bit, something a bit sharper, I need the grace, but I need I need truth too, right? You can't just give me some grace without truth to it. That's actually not love and it's not kind. So I find it fascinating that John would decide to help us think that those two words coming together are actually about the glory of God. Um, And um, obviously in that verse, he says, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth. And the word appears 150-something times in the the Scriptures, so it's, it's clearly a powerful word for us. But um, as I was reading Hebrews 13, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And Dave, for your theme, I was, I was reading an 18th century commentator on this, and he said, lest any fall, well, the Greek, lest any, namely through sloth in running, failing or falling short of the God, the image is taken from a company of travellers, one whom lags behind and so never reaches the end of the long and laborious journey. <laughs> and I thought that's fascinating. He's picked up the idea of running as well. There is this running component in grace. We, but, but as you said, Dave, and this was the picture that was strong for me because it's the most beautiful picture on the planet, is a father who runs to the son. And, and when we're in that place... When you're in that place, when you know the Father lifts up, you know, have you ever worn, I have, I've worn a Galabea, which is like a man's dress, a Middle Eastern dress, to run in that, because they come to here, you'd be running like this, right? Like, <laughs> to run means this, and running, lifting up the dress, what Middle Eastern men would have worn, and running. This is the Father's heart, and I love that, because what was playing in the Father's mind for the sight of His Son to be not one of shame, Son, you stole everything from me. 
Son, I've been living in shame since you left. Son, the community thinks, like, all this would have been not the narrative of the father. The father sees the son, lifts up, and runs. I think if you allow it, the Holy Spirit giving that picture to your heart is the most beautiful thing on the planet because that is how God views us. That is his affection for us. He sees us and he loves, it doesn't matter what you have done. That's grace. He runs for you. I just, I find that just so, and the other thing is, the community, some commentators will say, would have wanted to kill the son for what he did. Because he basically said to the father when he left, I wish you were dead. That's what he effectively said by taking the inheritance. So the father running to the son is also protection. No, 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 you must understand how I feel about my son. And grabbing him and restoring him in all the ways that beautiful. So there is nothing more precious than that picture and nothing more accurate, I think, than what grace looks like. That's grace. So why is this vanishing from the church and why is it vanishing from my heart? Why is it that there's places in me where I'm not gracious? I face many things, as you all do. This year has been, I think I remember, this year has probably been harder than the previous two, I think. There's just been some intensity to try and re-enter. And so how does grace become the dynamic? Because you'll, you'll fill the word grace with other words around it, like kindness, compassion, the picture of grace is abundance, you know, all these things. But I think my question as I thought about it, if God is so full, like Jesus full of grace and truth, what am I missing? Because here's how I understand it. The degree to which you understand something is the degree to which you offer something. So, so how much I've received and understand, Jesus says this to Simon, if you've loved much, you'll love much. If you've been loved little, you'll love little. Like, there's, there's this degree. And so, what's happened for grace to not be the operating system, maybe in my life? What, why does law come in? And I think the Scripture will keep warning, that's your problem. Law, law, performance, works, that's going to keep getting in the way. You're going to keep needing to prove, that's going to get in the way all the time. You're going to keep needing to prove your love instead of the grace is God loves you. Why are we so resistant to that? It's like, it's like the heart does have this grace resistance. And this is the model that I wanted to show you guys. I've been sitting with this for, I was saying to Kim this morning, since 2012, I first had this awareness. Why does my adversity lead to my awareness? Why is it that when I'm in crisis or trouble <laughs> or there's pain, why do I then become aware? And that was the first thought that I had. And then for years, I've been trying to understand how, how would I think of a discipleship model. And then chatting with Ruth, I'm just going to grab a, where are the pens? Um, chatting with Ruth this morning, she, she was talking about the 23rd Psalm, and, and actually, I, I, like, I love that Psalm, and it's very much in my mind, and actually talks about God leading us through paths, but it's circular paths of righteousness is how the Passion Translation picks it up. I love that idea, circular paths of righteousness, because that's sort of what I'm going to draw. So, this is how I understand, if I was to if this is how I understand we growing in maturity, becoming grace dispensers for the world. This is how I understand it. That's what this is. This is my, like the summary of everything I've learned. This is not a pen. <laughs> Thank you. I could see someone going, he's going to have fun with that one. <laughs> um, that's blue. Let's try this pen. And I don't know if anyone can see this. So, um, yep, that, that will do. I will explain it. It's very simple. Adversity, 
is you. Um, awareness. Remember I said adversity leads to awareness? This, this to me is how I, how I understand life. I could try and be walking in this direction, but actually adversity comes. The word adversity means turned against. It's literally what it means. So something in you is turned against. And, and the reason I feel it's important to share at this time as well is like there's so much to love in our message about Christmas. But can I also acknowledge, and I'm formed by my experiences as a new believer. I worked for 10 years with people who are homeless and addicts and sex workers in the city. And it formed my understanding of Christmas has an amplification principle to it. It's 10 times worse for most people at this time of year. If you're in pain, loneliness, relational fracturing, and many of us are, in my family system, Christmas is a nightmare because it pops everything for people. So I think we need to also acknowledge that while there's shiny things, <laughs> and I don't want to be a Grinch, though I did buy my kids Grinch pyjamas, but I don't, I don't want to be a Grinch, um, I, there is something real, like Jesus comes full of grace and truth. Where? Into mess. Where does the Father run to? The mess. Like, that's the context. And I think that's really important because we can shiny it and gloss it, but actually people will be suffering right now far more than normal because they'll be reminded of things. This is going on. So adversity comes and hits me, and it could be an awkwardness, it could be a suffering, it could be anything, but the reality is I'm now aware. I'm going to show you how this works from a vulnerable story myself, but then here's what I find needs to happen. Acceptance is the next A. And then the final one is awe. And the whole idea here is that I'm trying to understand what is going on in the landscape of my heart so that I might be genuinely a grace dispenser. Because my adversity leads to awareness. Okay, I'm now aware of something, but I don't want to stay there. I need to integrate it. It needs to become me. This is the acceptance piece. And it'll make sense when I share you a little bit of a story. And then from this, I think that's where you start to nudge towards grace again. I get it how good is God? I get it, because it's applying to what's real in my life. It's not just a concept, it's real. And, and this, brothers and sisters, is how I find all of life works. You keep doing this all the time. This is life, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. This is the circular path, Ruth, of Psalm 23. This is your soul being enlarged to become a grace dispenser. That's what's happening here in this picture. And if you ever wondered, why do I keep coming back to the same issue every time. <laughs> again and again, there I am again, there I am again, there I am again. However, at each level, maybe this is why mystics walk labyrinths, but at each level, I find I'm aware of something and I think this is the grace of God because let's just say, I hope you all agree with this, that the number one thing God is doing is making us look like Jesus, like that's his work, that we would look like him. So that's going to be a, Jesus said it, it's going to cost you, it's going to be painful, you'll take up your cross, like it's going to be a hard work. But in his kindness and grace, he doesn't make us face everything all at once. It's progressive sanctification. I love that. That to me is absolutely the grace of God. It's progressive. I'm, he doesn't just say, here's what I want to show you, Daz, because I wouldn't be able to move if I saw it. So progressive sanctification. Now, this is how I could tell you a million ways from my shoe addiction on how this works. 
But um, what was really interesting, I, I went to have a health assessment as part of my role, and I was labelled obese. Yeah. yeah. I didn't laugh. I cried. Because I'm going, oh, my goodness. I didn't know what... It, and I have since that lost six kilos, right? So I've been trying. But the, the, the interesting thing about getting that statistic and carrying that visceral fat and that high cholesterol and that risk to my health was quite shocking. I had no idea, like absolutely blindsided by this. That, that's a shocking moment that leads to some awareness. Now, what am I going to do about this? Now, fascinatingly, one of my board says, Daz, I've got a weird message from the Holy Spirit from you, but I don't know how to share it to you. It's three words, but... Um, it's a little uncomfortable. Watch your weight. <laughs> and I, I did laugh, going, God, you care that much? And he said, I think the spelling's important. It's W-A-I-T. Watch your weight, your W-A-I-T. And I thought, that's fascinating. That was his understanding. So I sat with that. I sat with that for a while. And the, the, the thing that dawned on me, the awareness piece that came was my weight and my weight were related because I think the church is dwindling, because there is suffering, because there's unsaid things, because I'm hopeful of a restoration, because I long for God to pour out His Spirit and restore, I'm getting impatient, I'm getting disillusioned, and my role holds that, and, and I need to be careful, because I see sometimes in my work, I see the mess, and, I'm, and, and the, the, the thing is, I'm, I'm now numbing that pain with rubbish TV and rubbish food gaining weight, little by little, and I'm struck by that. <laughs> okay, so, so I've got this acquisition thing going on, I'm now aware, now what do I do about that? So here's the thing, um, at that point, I could say, oh well, you know, this is our participation with grace. This is the seeing that you don't fail to obtain it. Like, there is participation with grace. Okay, God, I'll make some changes around how I eat and, and watching TV and these things that are corrupting body and soul. I'll make that. And, um, but thank you for alerting me to this. And suddenly I got really struck with the kindness of God that he would allow me to make changes before it's too late. You know, you have those moments of thinking, well, I don't really want to be a parent who's not present, I don't really, and, and I'm not present by my TV watching and my snacking and eating, you know, so I started to sit in that, and, but I also went, but I could go extreme here too, and I could start being obsessive, and that would take, <laughs> that would be its own form of challenge, and, and I thought, no, 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 I, I'm just, I'm wired how I'm wired. There is a fearful and wonderfully made component to my life, I'm going to weigh what I weigh, I'm going to be how I'm made, I'm an endomorph type, and that can't be changed accept that and integrate that and stop being unkind to myself. See, if we're not gracious to others, there's, a, there's, there's maybe something we can go inward and go, yeah, I'm not actually that kind to myself. I don't have a lot of grace down here for me. I'm pretty, I'm pretty scathing with some of the narratives that go on in my mind. I wonder how I am towards other people. And is it a surprise if I'm not? <laughs> so then I sort of go, God, you're, you're phenomenal because you're the one who comes into this mess you're the one who highlight, so that I might, uh, um, do you guys remember Nat sharing about Shalom? I had to share with the church the same thing. They asked me, would you share on Shalom, like literally a week or two later? And the idea of Shalom being um, a thread of connection, 
between you and me, like peace between you and me, and, and peace between me and God, and peace between me and my creation, because we don't talk much about that, and peace between me and me, the parts within me that are fractured, that are not connected, where I'm not integrated. That's the idea. So Jesus came so that we might have life and life to the full. That is drawing those threads of connection together so that you would experience the deepest connection with God, with others, with creation and yourself, those, almost those four quadrants. That's what Jesus came for. So that's why I am convinced that we have to keep participating in this work and it keeps coming and then an adversity hits. The question is you could go to shame, you could go to numbing, you could go to whatever you like or you could say, Jesus, Jesus, my King, gracious one, full of grace and truth, could, could, you, could you help me see what I'm not seeing? Because I think there's some things I need to see. Help me see. Take the invitation. Otherwise, brothers and sisters, this is my fear for me. I'll just name it my own. I was I'm worried I'm an atheist. Like, as in, I'm worried I'm, that God's somehow not present in my suffering, but He is. And I, uh, suffering is so complex and so hard. But how do you understand James saying, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because of what it does? So I would eliminate any suffering if I had power from anyone's life. But I, the reality is that life this side is filled with that. Christmas is, as I said, filled with this amplification principle for people. And what if they learned that God's grace is particularly applied in the mess? How does that get out? Here's the thing. If I don't participate in this, I will numb, block, or be unaware of what's going on for me, and that's why you'll get my judgment. I am so compassionate and gracious towards anyone struggling with weight or food. Why? Because I've connected. Like, I am aware of this, and I understand it. I've got no judgment. What I find fascinating is the places in my life where I'm graciousless, where I am not showing grace or compassion or kindness, is the bits in me that are not formed. That's where I'm not compassionate. And I've been hit with this recently. God showed me something, and it was fascinating. I don't want to be too vulnerable, but I had to go back to my family system, and I realized in a particular thing I'm facing, I'm still trying to rescue my parents' marriage from 30 years ago. Oh, my goodness. It was such a revelation that came in supervision, and I am not being kind or compassionate towards someone in, in their circumstance as a result because it's an unformed place in me. I've not done this integration work here. Does that bit make sense? Because if we get a hold of this, this is, this is the amazing thing. I think as we saturate and marinate in this, we then can become grace dispensers. We can become the ambassadors of Jesus, filled with grace, not law. And this, you will have felt it, you will have known it, and you will have probably seen it in your own life. That's the tendency. Well, I'll become law-based with you. No, but you didn't. No, but you didn't. No, but you, you know and filled with judgment instead of saturated in grace. And so in this process, what I find happening is, this is um, a, a spiritual director that I, I had the privilege of meeting in the US this year. He actually has this analogy that we should be water filters. And he sort of says this, um, people who are, this is about grace and you receiving, when you face hostility, enmity, lovelessness, people hate you, accuse you and say all sorts of things, he says, yeah, you absorb that in yourself, 
But for the Christian, you're a transformer. That energy is transformed by the Holy Spirit and its output is grace. That's the difference for the Christian. Uh, an African-American in the 60s experiencing high, as many did, victims of utter horror in race, said, I learned, this is what he said, he's a student staying at this Trappist monastery, he says, I learned to make my body a grave for hate. It stopped with him. But more than stopped, and now I just carry around this sort of hatred, this, the gift of the Holy Spirit transformation is you can then turn that energy back into grace. You then dispense grace. So, you, so Richard Rohr says this, what's not transformed is transmitted. So the bits in me, guess what? If anger comes at me, as it has, and I haven't dealt with that pain, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a conduit of that anger. Back out it goes. The energy of anger goes that way. But the quest is, actually, how do I... This is why we need science and solitude. This is why we need stillness and to be with God because I need to give him this stuff. Chatting with Kim not so long ago, we were talking about this and Kim was sort of saying there has to be a way before Jesus to give this stuff because we carry it in our bodies. Like you, you, you do. We carry these things. So how do we say, Jesus, I give it back to you. You have dealt with this. The cross is sufficient for all. <laughs> for all. I need to do a work to then give it back to you. I need to sit with that reality and say, Jesus, I've carried some things and I, don't, I, and I actually am watching the fruit of my life and it's not kind, it's not gracious in these regards and I want to be, so, so change me. And I find, again, every single time I have to go here and find the root of in me what's going on, why am I not gracious? You, and there's often agreements there that I've made, you know, agreements I made when I was like eight, <laughs> you know, things that I've said, I'll never let that happen again or I'll never do this, or I'll never, and these agreements, I'm finding when I'm hit with that circumstance, there I am, conduit of that energy again, lovelessness, grace, and brothers and sisters, this is the gift, Jesus, full of grace and truth, then calls us as, as marinated in it, like saturated in it, and then says, now, now go and be that for the world, like that is what we can be, grace dispenses for the world, I think that's our mission, that's it. Like, everything else is like, whatever. Like, <laughs> that's our goal. And so when we come together, it just needs to be oh, iron sharpening iron. And, but that's our work, because you know this, if you experience anything in the world, it doesn't, grace is not the commodity out there. I couldn't say to the police officer, come on, grace, you know. I was only 10Ks. No, it's law. <laughs> Everywhere you go, it's law. But what if, because of what Christ has done, what if the church again goes, we are just going to marinate in grace, make sure that's the place we operate from, so that we just dispense this to the world, because it's not, it's not coming any other way. We of all people know what this is like. And that's why I guess my invitation would be, as I finish... Um, for, for Christmas is, as we acknowledge there are those pains, I pray genuinely, this was my prayer this morning, and, and, and uh, you, know, you know what it's like you, when you think about this before you share a message, I want and hope and pray every one of you connects again to that first love place with Jesus where you realised how amazing grace was, like just how phenomenal 
you, you have been the recipient of the Father's love. To sit in that place of his deep affection for you through nothing you've done or haven't done and all him. It all has to do with the giver of this. This is what Papa is like. He is so filled with this. And he goes, I'm just going to give him my son so you can see just what this looks like with skin on. Full of grace and truth. And I guarantee as each... See, this is the church. A priesthood of believers. And as you and I, each of us, uh, take responsibility for this, we will change the world. One by one. That's how it's meant to be. Person by person. Encounter by encounter. The world will be changed. So, grace according to one author, is vanishing from the church. And I, I don't know about you, but I think I would be keen to see that grace remains center to the message in a world that doesn't know it, that gets judgment from everywhere, and you and I have been uniquely equipped, called to be the ones who dispense it. But our work, this is our work. And I'm happy, I, this, this took me 10 years, did I say that already? I think it was 2012 when I started forming 10 years to get to this thing and going, yeah, now that makes sense. No, no, that is what's going on. So I can know at what point in my life I am and why it is I might pretend to be in awe, but I'm not. Why it is that I run and numb and how it is that I come to do this inner work. Literally, I'm turned against, then I'm turned on, it's awareness. I'm turned in and I'm turned out to love God and love others. That's the process. Turned against, turned on, turned in, turned out and we keep doing it all the time <laughs> and, you, and don't be surprised that you would keep coming back but in this journey this labyrinth I believe our, this is literally the expansion of your soul that's how you become more compassionate and kind and gracious it grows and I, I, isn't that cool that's the way God works like the kindness of this expand expansiveness of our souls so we can every time you see Jesus filled with compassion weeping tears just the way he sees Father wants us to have the same kind of heart. Um, well, I didn't think about how to land a plane. I'll just, um, I'll, I might just pray for us. Will that be okay? Um, I know there's a lot in there um, and happy to chat. And um, yeah, and, and um, yeah, so Father, um, yeah, personally, there, there isn't anything more beautiful than the idea of you lifting up your skirts and running to us. Nothing more precious than you seeing with a heart of deep affection each one of us and calling us to you. Nothing we've done, nothing we'll ever do or have to do to secure or earn. We can just literally rest in your embrace, your tears weeping down on us, <laughs> restored back to you. Lord, keep us in that place, that first love. Grow us in our capacity to love you and love others. I ask that each of us would be grace dispensers, Lord, that we would have, because, because you're so kind, there's lots of ways you could have worked, but you chose to use us as ambassadors for this message of reconciliation to show a father and a son and a spirit filled with grace. 
may we marinate in this. And we ask it in the one who came full of grace and truth, our King Jesus. Amen.